Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four, for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Welcome back, everybody, to an episode of Coast to Coast. You're joining us here on a Wednesday evening. Ronan, my man, what's up? You ready to talk some big trade season? Yeah, we got it. We got it's trade time. We got it. We got to talk. We got to talk about the one of the most exciting parts of any season when when the trades go down. Absolutely. So it's the holidays. You know, it's, this is a season of hope. This is a season of giving, right? And in the spirit of that, today is actually the unheralded beginning of the trade season as over 80% of the season now become of the, the players, I should say now become available for trade based on all the um, restrictions that were put on players that recently signed in the summer. And, you know, plenty of teams are feeling like they're a couple pieces away this year. Like there's a lot of parity. There's a lot of opportunity. A lot of teams think that they can buy, but not as many sellers, so to speak. So I think today we want to talk about the teams that are able to act as sellers here. They're really dictating the market this year. And, and I think before we we dive into these tiers that we have, we need to define these teams. I mean, I, I think we could loosely define any of these sellers as teams that have players that they desire to get off their team for a return that they think they're going to profit from. Um, as opposed to buyers, which I, I think we can consider as existing contenders that are trying to add to their team versus these teams here that are trying to shake things up and get the most value that they can um, based on a ton of different situations. So, you know, I, I think we should just jump right into it. And, you know, who else are we going to talk about when it comes to trading your players, getting a lot of value out of them than the Blazers who have just been constantly ruined by the national uh, media talking constantly about Dame leaving town. So I think we got to talk here. Do you think Dame is going to get traded this season before the trade deadline? Um, if it's to the Knicks, I say, please God, I hope so. All right, it's- a bad start here. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, I, I I don't think so. I, I just don't think there's there's enough for the Blazers to to make the move this season, unless. Dame has just been lying to us when he keeps having to uh, to commit or the Blazers have been lying to us when they keep saying that Dame is not going to be involved in any possible trade for Ben Simmons. So unless they're a, the franchise and the player are both liars, I think yeah. Dame is staying important for the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad we can end this conversation about Dame pretty quickly because you know it's been dragged on by the national media. But in reality, you're absolutely right. Like you just have to look at the reports. 
Dame will not say that he's leaving. I mean, he's been political about it because obviously there's issues that need to be fixed and issues that are ongoing. You know, you, you can talk about the coaching and talk about um, the shift in leadership, but everyone, all reports are saying that he's not going to leave. It's only, it's really only these other teams stating what they want for Dame. And you can't draw any conclusions from that. Everyone in the league would love to have this play. He's an all-timer, for God's sake. I mean, Damian Lillard is a guy that everybody wants, but, you know, just because the Blazers aren't doing well, I think as we take a look here at what some of the moves the Blazers can do, I think we're going to quickly realize that, you know, you can't look at this objectively and say that the best decision the Blazers can make for the Blazers, not for the 76ers, but for the Blazers, is going to be to keep him and figure it out. Simple as that. And if anything, you kind of, who knows, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Ben Simmons uh, next, I'm sure. But when you say that, if you want to see him get a shot at playing with Dame and see, see what they can do, it, it, would, it would be fun to see if there's anything there. Man, it, it would. And I think it, this is actually interesting that I put him in the superstar uh, category. But I think when you're, when you're talking about sellers, when you're talking about value, that's what Daryl Morey has put a price tag on Simmons for. He's put the superstar price tag, nothing less. And the original trade uh, negotiations between them and the Blazers, I mean, it was CJ McCollum, a young player, probably going to be Anthony Simons. And basically every pick that they can possibly legally trade to them, Hmm. obviously rebuffed, said no. And today I think that still stands, but I, I don't know. It has, has the league really gotten any sense as to if the value has normalized a bit or is it still, or is the, the value still as low as it was in the summer? Uh, it seems to be, it seems to be the same situation there. Obviously we're not seeing Ben Simmons on the court due to his mentality. So he's not, he's not ready to, to be harassed by every, every fan who watches him and probably uh, opponents. But uh yeah, it's 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 a similar situation. The 76ers are still asking for a all-star in return for Ben Simmons. No one has any real interest in offering that for Ben Simmons. So something's gonna have to give here. And I know Daryl Morey is trying to he he he's got great experience. He he he's made great trades in the past, but on this one, I think he might just have to swallow his pride and just accept a guy of a level like CJ McCollum and move forward because it's a bit unfair on Joel Embiid right now, the situation. Yeah. And they if they, they want to get the best out of him, they need to get this situation sorted out as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? That that's what it comes down to. It's you're wasting the best years of one of the, I mean, the second best big in the league and first when, when he's healthy, really. But I, I think that, that there's not a lot of teams that are willing to give up the price to pay. And I think a lot of them will convince themselves that they'll be fine without him. You know, I, I think any, any reports early on that the Warriors were a team that quickly got squashed. The Lakers are like, no thanks. The Kings, they're not going to part even with Fox and other assets for him. Um, and another team, I mean, it, you've you've heard it a couple of times, both those New York teams, the Nets and the Knicks, th- those haven't gone very far either. And then there's all these questions about, you know, would, would they trade Randall, you know, Randall's fit in the 76ers? Like there's not a lot of 
obvious suitors for a guy who has been constantly an all defensive first first team all defensive top three in, in defensive player of the year voting and a guy who clearly has been one of the best three-point playmakers I mean he's he was leading the league for I think it was three out of four years for the past two years in assists to three-point shooters and you add that to a lot of different teams with the way that the NBA is built today and he's bringing tremendous value so I, it's a lot of hypotheticals. That's why we put him here in the superstar seller, because that's what you're selling the teams. You're not selling him the, the guy who wouldn't even take a dunk right under the rim when it came down to the season. You're not talking about that guy. You're, you're talking about hypothetical, you know, top peak of his prime, guy who was allowed to, as Ben Simmons said in their meetings, make mistakes and grow into the player you're supposed to be. So, I mean, is there a team, where, where do you see the perfect fit when it comes to a team that comes out of the woodworks and is willing to make maybe 70% of what Daryl Morey is asking for. You know, he's not going to get a hundred, but he, I think you get him close to there and then you start talking, especially this time of year. Yeah. hundred percent. I think uh, some of the trades that you're looking at, it, 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 a three team trade, I think is a likely occurrence You've seen in, that, in, yeah. in the Ben Simmons uh, era, possibly involving the Timberwolves and the Celtics. That was one uh, one thing that I, I, I was seeing. The, the Timberwolves have often been touted as suitors for Ben Simmons. They've often been said as a team that were, were really high on, on Ben Simmons, wanted to get him out to Minnesota, but if they were going to try and work it out right now, I think they're going to probably have to give up Carol Anthony Towns and, and, and commit to building around Ben Simmons and, and Anthony Edwards. And I just don't think that that is something that, that Minnesota would want to do. Like one trade I saw here was Towns goes to the Celtics, Jalen Brown and Patrick Beverly go to Philly and Ben Simmons, Williams, Thibault, and a pick from Philly heads to Minnesota. No. Ah, I can't see that. But that's great. That's, there's too many people slightly happy, questionably happy with their situations. But there are three teams that need to shake things up, right? And I, I think that's, that's what makes trades like this interesting is that I think fans – are very assured in some of their players figuring it out and that with time, things will improve. I think a lot of fans assume that. Um, but I think the reality is that a, a lot of times teams need a shakeup. But I mean, that, that's that, that's a lot to, to factor in. And I think the main thing is that in all the trades we're going to talk about, the Celtics are going to come up and Brown's going to come up because, you know, that everyone's hungry for him. It's, it's like a like a diet version, Diet Coke version of the Damian Lillard situation. Everyone wants Brown, and I don't think the Celtics really want to give up on Brown. But Brown for Simmons, I think people – I think there's there's two ways of thinking about it. This is important for thinking about Simmons. we, we got to consider his utility on the court as a superstar. And I think we've realized that you, you saw how we played against the Jazz um, last year. We had that – uh insane insane game as a as a center he had a crazy stretch of 10 games while Embiid was out playing as a rolling uh screen setting playmaking center and that's a role that he needs that to be that superstar to be qualified as that for a deal like this 
And it, here's my thing. When you trade him to the Timberwolves, that makes sense. But you'd have to give up Cat, I think. And then that, that doesn't make sense for there. And I, and I don't think that Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons swap is going to make sense for the Celtics because, you know, the, they're not getting the full Ben Simmons package without him playing at the five, really. I, I think that's that's the missing piece here. And I think when you look at a lot of these trades, like the team's got to convince themselves of who he's going to be. And even though I love that, I love all the moving pieces, I think you make people slightly happy and you shake things up just enough. I mean, the 76ers just far and away win that trade in a landslide. I mean, just because of what you see on the court, you get Jalen Brown and Joel Embiid on the court, and then you're flanked by Tobias Harris. You still keep your shoot. Like that's that undeniably makes them one uh, B to the Nets. But I, I think about a few different teams, but the one that stuck out the most to me, one that made the most sense personally for Ben Simmons, strategically for that team and what the Spurs, what the 76ers want, I just gave it away. But I, the Spurs, <laughs> <laughs> the Spurs have been mentioned by a couple of different people, uh, primarily Kevin O'Connor. And I love this one when you canvas the league and you look at the best spots, and I get excited thinking about what Ben Simmons could do, not under the limelight, have a stress-free environment, and be coached in the right way, I think, by, by uh, Greg Popovich. And you get that defensive mindset of that system. You got shooters around him. And he can do his thing playing as a true playmaking five, playmaking four, playmaking five. And the 76ers, what they get is they get Thaddeus Young, who I think is a really intriguing role player who has not really gotten any shine this season because he's not really getting played. But last year was a huge reason why the Bulls were even relative, re- relevant at all um, before Vucevic got there. Derek White, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker. I mean, Derek White's having a resurgence right now. And, you know, he's not an all-star player, but he's a great defensive guard and he's a great shooter and he's a great playmaker. He's going to check every box that you need as a, as a playmaking point as a shooting point, as a defensive-minded point. Keldon Johnson, who's had a great season, he had a great uh, opportunity to be an Olympian. And then Lonnie Walker, who's, you know, I, I think that's kind of a throw-in, but he's another prospect that you get in a long line of guards, and they just add a lot. I don't know if they get this. No, I do know for a fact they don't get the star power, but I think that the market's kind of dried up. The market's dried up. If, if the Spurs are willing to give up multiple picks and give the 76ers the depth, and give them the, the rotation pieces that will complete this, this team that really needs to replenish their defense, which they get, the playmaking, which they get, the three-point shooting, which they've improved, but we'll get even better with here. I, I think this is the one that actually intrigued me the most, even though on first glance, it's, it's a little bit weak. I like it, but one, the one main thing I would say on that is in that situation, Ben Simmons wins the trade, no doubt about it. I just don't <laughs> think there is enough there for Philly to bite. I, I, I agree they need to they need to lower the asking price, but just not enough there. Maybe with a third party involved, maybe you get you get something. Yeah, I, yeah. The, the third the third party is is are the ones that are really confounding, and those get complicated and. And kind of predicting those are really impossible. Dude, I mean, a, a lot of this was interesting about how how do we want to see Ben Simmons? And you start talking about this, you, you think about the player he should be. You think about what he should be doing on the court. 
And yeah, he definitely, he definitely wins that going to the Spurs, but you know what the, the biggest hope I think for the 76ers, if they're hoping for the best thing right now, it's Dame, which I don't think is coming. No. CJ, I mean, CJ McCollum, I think is still on the table if they're just willing to deal with not having the picks, but you, l- you look at their guard rotation and it's not, it's not something that is their biggest issue. They're getting the scoring out of both Seth Curry and they're getting them out of their two guards. They're getting a Tyrese Maxey. You're getting it from a, a little bit uh, here and there from their other guards in the rotation. And Tobias Harris, though, he's he's a guy who's quietly had a disappointing season mm-hmm. when they really needed him. So they what they really need is I'm not sure if it's even CJ McCollum to fix that. So I'm, I, you know, I, I think it's drier than I thought besides some of these fringe deals like the Spurs. So I think it's going to come down to what you were saying. Are they willing to waste the season with Joel Embiid? Or are they going to take a deal like that Spurs deal? Or are they going to take a, a deal for a name like CJ McCollum? You know, Daryl Morey doesn't like to do things just to bolster depth or things like that. Like he wants to go for those stars. But when it comes down to whether they're going to be successful in the postseason, just look at the Grizzlies game the other night like without Seth Curry and Joel Embiid and obviously without Simmons I mean they just looked like a train wreck there, there's a lot of a lot of holes that need to be filled in this roster and I think that's going to take potentially a package that might do just as much for you as it would getting quote-unquote a name yeah they gotta find they gotta find a way to make a Make a deal like they did. What was it, twenty eighteen when they got when they got Jimmy Butler in for for oh, virtually nothing on paper? They got to find man. a way to make a deal like that. Man, I was I was thinking about that roster, and you think about if Kawhi Leonard shot, not gone in. So many things that have just not gone right for the 76ers. Then not seeing Jimmy Butler in Philadelphia has to be a tough one, because you think about what he's doing for the Heat right now. And what Tobias Harris is not doing for the 76ers, it's it's crazy to think about. But, you know, you came as the league, and I don't see a lot of true superstars that are for, quote-unquote, sale. You don't have your Kawhi rental anymore hanging out mm-hmm. anywhere. Too many teams. Every team right now that has a superstar thinks they're there in contention or one or two pieces away. So I, I want to go to our star sellers. And star is such a loose term, all-star caliber, really good player, we'll say, but it, it, it's, it alliterates. It sounds a lot better. I'm just going to go with that. And the team we have to start with when we come to star cells, we got to talk about the Pacers, who have been probably the most open team in recent memory to just being like, yeah, we're, these, these players are for sale. Well, we'll, we'll trade them. Just give us a call. Like there's no, there's no secret smoke. Is there fire? Like, are they trading them? Are they available? They're just like to the media. Yeah. But we'll trade them. They're being professional about it, but yeah, they're, they're open. Give us a call. So there's a million and one trade rumors about these players because it's been so public and because they're so good, but let's talk about some of the ones that intrigue us the most, which ones are going to be the biggest movers and more importantly, which ones are going to be the most convincing for a Pacers team who honestly need to shake things up. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I, I'm a li- I'm a little bit surprised that they're 
They're looking to move towards a rebuild just after getting Rick Carlisle in as coach and a few kind of other things they did in the offseason. But on the other hand, then they got a pre- piece like Duarte in and he's looking like a, a, a legit player from the off in his rookie year. So they're thinking we give him the best opportunity to develop as part of this new look team and we might really have a star on our hands here. The main three guys for the Pacers that are on the trade block, we got Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, and DeMontis Sabonis. And the two bigs there especially are going to have a hell of a lot of suitors around the league. It's just going to be a question of, first of all, who has the best package and who can actually make a package to make a deal like this work. Yeah, and I think the interesting part of this is I am not convinced that they are going to just trade everything and rebuild. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're trying to just go into a full rebuild because of what you just said, because Rick Carlisle is there, because they brought him in there for winning basketball. And honestly, the way that the reporting was worded, it felt like it was very intentional that they were either going to trade Miles Turner or Sabonis, and trading them both wasn't likely going to happen. Brogdon, obviously, you can't trade. Everyone else, I'm assuming, is available. And Levert, I feel like, was kind of a throw in there because of the name, because they're trying to get the buzz up. They, you notice how they put them all in the same breath. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, and we're also including Levert. They didn't include TJ Warren. They include anyone else. Not because they're not available, but because they wanted Levert to sound like that caliber of player. Even though, despite injuries, not having time to get back, you know, there's a lot of excuse you can give, but you know, he's just not there. I'm not including him in this star category, but I I think that Sabonis is easily the best player. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's an all star, bona fide all star, and he's a guy that you surround him with some good off ball shooters. You surround him with some slashing wings. There's a lot of different ways offensively that he can really have a cornerstone effect on the way you play the game of basketball but I think the the fact is that Miles Turner is filling a role that so many contenders around the league need right now you can list off eight to 12 teams that Miles Turner would be a perfect fit as a defender as you know he's he's led the league and he's if he finishes the way he is playing right now he's going to be the leading shot blocker three out of four years I mean, he's having career highs in efficiency. He's, you know, he's an aggressive three-point shooter. And that's, that's the best way to put it. Like, he's not a big that, you know, he has shoots a good percentage. Like, he is automatic in taking those attempts. He's not hesitating, and he's good at it. That, that's, a, that's a guy that, you know, there's too many teams that want him, that he's not going to go first. And if he goes first, then I don't think Sabonis is getting traded. I, I, I just don't think that that's going to happen in the same breath. They would have to have – a tremendous package for Sabonis to come off this team. Um, the team that actually, it, f- funny story that Rick Carlisle knew as a baby. <laughs> it's a funny full circle moment there, but he, he knew him as a baby. So to be able to coach this guy would be insane. But I, I don't know if that's how you feel about it, but I, I feel like it's going to be the first domino to fall here. Yeah, I think it, it seems like it's that way. It's it's whichever one maybe they get the best package for, whichever one maybe after hearing this kind of, Gets uh, gets the cold shoulder towards the franchise, which we think is probably Turner after the few comments there uh, made during the yeah. week. But I think there's plenty. There's there's, there's options for for both. I think 
for Sabonis, I think an interesting uh, suitor could be the Warriors. The Warriors are kind of in a place at the moment where they kind of are in a position of kind of having the best of both worlds. In a sense, they are, they are a competitor with just having Steph Curry alone. They're looking like a, a challenger again this year. But they've also got a great batch of young players. So when this uh, rebirth finally die, dies a death, they could be in a great position to have a new batch of stars coming into their team and they could just continue on for many years to come. So if they want to commit to even going all in even more, they trade out some of the young stars they have, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, and they go all in and get Sabonis in in Golden State. That's the best one I've heard. Hmm? <laughs> That's my, I, I can't even, I, I'm not even going to hear to deny it. Like just, Think about, think about how smart Kevon Looney is. You know, Kevon Looney is, he's a great defender, but you know, he's not the core of that defense. Taking Kevon Looney out of the equation lowers their defensive abilities and creates some problems at the rim, but you know, the rebounding is going to be even better. They've had a lot of problems uh, on the offensive boards and, and the defensive boards and Sabonis fixes that immediately. And you don't lose a lot of defense because of the way that Draymond Green directs traffic, the way that they have a lot of help defense in their system. And the fact that, I mean, th those are the fun tertiary points, but the primary point is Sabonis is a hell of a playmaker and he's a hell of an inside presence. He's a hell of a, of a room roller. He sets great screens. And those are all intangibles that when you have the best three-point shooter of all time who got crowned last night, that's that would be magical that, that he has all the intangibles that Wiseman, you know, could take years to learn that Kaminga could take years to learn. Both of them are really interesting, exciting players. Um, and I won't leave Moody out of that either, but it, neither, none of them will have the impact on the way the Warriors play basketball than this guy right here. So I, I, I had them in, in my I side notes. I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out a trade besides, besides that. Now that you mention it, that makes the most sense for the Pacers. But I think the Pacers take that in a heartbeat because they're looking to shake things up. Yeah. They're looking to, to start anew. And they would receive guys that Kaminga's, Kaminga and Moody, and, you know, Wiseman, we haven't seen it, but, like, they're not guys who, they're here to prove their names. They're not number one picks. They're not slouches. They're, they're mature guys who are willing to work. And Rick Carlisle training those guys up, I think they would be back to um, – relevancy pretty quick yeah 100 that's just that's what that's what indiana is just all about they, they'd have a, just a <laughs> batch of competitors that's what i always think of i've mentioned before when i think of pacers just a, a strong batch of competitors guys who are out there to prove themselves and it, it usually brings success yeah wow but pat yourself on the back there that's that's my <laughs> that's one of the favorite ones i've heard today that's really that's really good um Man, you know, a, a guy that I had a lot of trouble, though, is Karis LeVert. I have done a lot of thinking, looked at a lot of rosters, a lot of fits, and I think the people who have this antiquated view of Karis LeVert as a guy who's, as the guy in the Nets who brought them to that, him and D'Lo bringing them to that magical run into the playoffs, that's who they think of. 
But I think they have to realize that Karis LeVert has never been a good player on low volume. He's only been a, a great player when you gave him a lot of those shots and he had flashes of that, not consistently, but he showed enough where, you know, we thought of him as a borderline also. He might get there in a couple of years, but that slowed obviously for, for health reasons and that as well. But I, I think you, you've seen enough regression with the health issues aside to rethink that crowning designation. I can't think of a team that's willing to give him the basketball that much to succeed. And I don't think any team that's thinking they're going to contend is going to take him on their team and let him pound the basketball, look for his shot, and also suffer the consequences of his defensive inability on the other end. The only team I could really think of was was Cleveland because I've heard of the Pacers being interested in Sexton. And it kind of seems like Cleveland are in a, in a place where they kind of look like they want to get someone in to pair with Garland. That's maybe just a bit bigger. I don't know. It just seems they want to spread up the, the sex land and, the, and Sexton's going to be the one to go. But unfortunately, when it came to a trade, I can only think of them having to give up too much for it to actually work. It would need to be Sexton and likely probably Osman to, to just to get Levert and I don't think at, at this time that, that that's worth it for them really you've done it again I mean that's <laughs> I, I like that too and, and the reason here's the reason I like that is because they get to run this this three big lineup still with him mm-hmm. there and I think you have enough efficient offense right now with Isaac Okoro who's really kind of you still see his energy you still see his defense you still see his rebounding his physicality and those are all great but you don't see the shot making and you don't see kind of that that progression in ball handling that you'd hope he'd have it could still come but i think the fact that they're successful despite that starting role being filled in that way you have space for karis levert there you don't have space for him to to do too much but in a limited role, you can kind of see what happens. You can kind of see what happens. And I don't know. Is that the best that they can get for, for the young bull? Is, is that what it's come to? Colin Sexton and Karis LeVert? Maybe. You know, I, I, think they, I think actually if you look at them, they'd have very similar um, career arcs, even though I would say Colin Sexton got better faster mm-hmm. than Karis LeVert. I think some people might say a lot of um, a lot of bears, not bulls, would say you know you know this is the height this is the height of his ability. I mean he's going to be a career sixth man, like a really good sixth man. But a lot of people said the same thing about guys like Levine. So I don't know how I feel about those kind of narratives without seeing the evidence of him on a different team. But that that would be the convince me why that works as opposed to just bringing Colin Sexton back next year. The money? Money on one side of it. I think they are looking for a just a bigger partner. I think they're a little bit worried. I know they're 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 covering it this year with the with the three big lineup anyway. But it seems they just rather have a bigger partner. And if Levert can get back to the guy that he we thought he was about on the verge of becoming in Brooklyn, I think it it, it could prove a really a really savvy move from from the the Cavaliers, but they 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 would be taking a chance. It, it, there's no doubt about that. 
I'm, I'm just gonna, I don't know. I, I feel like I'd rather have Lou Dort than Karis LeVert. Like, a, a, that's just a name. Like, that, a guy like Lou Dort um, than, than Karis LeVert, just on that team. And, and we haven't had the chance to talk about the Cavs yet, but, but man, like, I'm saying this because I think the Cavs are emerging into a real playoff team. Maybe we see them fall off. Like, we, we crowned the Wizards a little too quick. You, you said that they'd fall off and, you know, the defense is still good, but you know, they're not going to keep that magic offensive run that they had. But I, I think the Cavs are in a position where they should be looking for really good value because they are a couple moves away, not from contention, but a couple moves from away from being like a bona fide playoff team. Like this isn't just a moment in time, a moment in the season, a nice run because every team has their runs. But I, I think they they're a consistent wing away, and I put emphasis on consistent because I don't think Karis LeVert is that. I don't know if he will be. That is the biggest question mark. And do you want to add another question mark to a team where you just got through a bunch of question marks? Yeah. Adding some consistency. You you look at the. I mean, it's that's a hyper example. But the Phoenix Suns added elite consistency in Chris Paul, and they took him all the way to a championship. You you need some sort of steadying, consistent source of of playmaking to an almost championship not a championship to a chance at a championship i I didn't (laughs) say a ring i just they took them to the championship okay oh geez i got like got the grammar police here but i i think that's what they need and that's why i'm concerned i mean that sounds like a good deal i i like it but when when you dig into like what the Cavs want i think that's why they're not i didn't list them as sellers it's crazy how much we um we, we, we predicted basically every other team, maybe except the Magic, and that was just because we didn't have the energy to care to play better than them. And they've outplayed the vast majority of them with this their lineup. Um, so I mean, testament to them that I don't have them listed here as a seller. I don't think they're looking to make a move. And I think they'd be like, yeah, I think we're, I think we're good on the revert. I think we'll just wait because we're good right now. If something better comes, sure. I, I think that's how they'd face it. All right. And what what about what about the final Pacers got big guy that uh, that I think a lot of people want, Miles Turner. Where do you think he is the best fit for him around the league? The best fit. That that's my favorite question because a lot of this comes down to business. But the the best fit, I feel like, has to be in Charlotte. I absolutely love Charlotte for the way they share the ball, the way that you know that there's defined playmaking and the way that Lamelo Ball can rock the pick and roll the way that he runs a fast break, but they're an egalitarian team in the way that they move without the ball. They share to each other. They pick for each other. Like there's a lot of motion in its organized chaos. And I I wouldn't, I I think it's disrespectful level to liken it to the warriors, but the way they move has a very similar feel and getting their guys open. And when they're in that flow, it's fantastic. And miles Turner as a rim runner, as a pick and pop shooter, that adds something that you know they get from PJ Washington. I, I I love PJ Washington, but Miles Turner really cranks that position up. You play PJ at the five, you're giving up some height. You know he's he's a good switchable defender, but you know he's not really that that interior defender, and that's why they're you know in the in the dregs of the league and in interior defense. You add in Miles Turner in there, and he complements that offense perfectly, and he gets the role that he wants. And, you know, 
you've seen how good he is as a three-point shooter and they just haven't had that before. I'd, I'd be intrigued to see what could come out of that, that situation. Could, could, could Charlotte make that deal without having to give up bridges? And that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's where it's interesting. You look at all the, all the different trade talks and it's, and I love that a lot of it comes from fans because every fan is, is undervaluing each other's players. But I think, I think the, the biggest thing that the Pacers need is a change of pace and they need to, they need to get something exciting. And I think that in reality, what they need is picks too, because they need that to make another deal. They need capital. Um, and, I, and I think you can, you can get a guy like Bridges, but it, I think I'm not sure he's going to give the Pacers exactly what they want. He's been a lot better on ball than he has been before, but I don't think as his career arc goes, he's going to be an individually dynamic player. Um, but, you know, you look at how guys like Jimmy Butler made a leap to being an on-ball guy. You don't want to doubt them. So it just really depends on the team and, and what they believe in. But um, I, I digress. I want to see who, where you think he's going to go. Well, best fit for him, I think there's a number of teams, a team that, that definitely needs to, to, to be strongly pursuing him is the Knicks. They they could really do with a stretch big like Miles Turner just to even just give Randall a bit of a shot. That's a big thing. They're saying that the, the, all the bigs we have are traditional bigs that are going to play under the rim, and that's making it a bit harder for Randall to get his best shots, get his drives to the rim, which is his, his main strength. Someone like Turner comes in, provides adds a little bit more shooting, provides that little bit more floor spacing. It could make a big difference to this next team. Only disappointing thing is, trade-wise, we probably have to give up a guy like Toppin or quickly in that sort of situation, which Absolutely. I would be I would I would be a little bit disappointed in. I'd love if we could get away with say like uh, Noel Robinson and Knox, something like that. I think in Robinson, you got a guy. He's never going to be the stretch guy that uh, that Turner is. But in terms of potential, could he be the the rim protector that 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 uh, Turner is? Absolutely. If he can stay healthy and really fulfill on his potential, he can definitely get to that level, and he can become more of a, a Jared Allen type big. Then it's a good deal. But for the most part, I don't think the Pacers are going to take that. So probably going to have to include. Uh, Take out Knox, maybe put in put in Obi Toppin there to really kind of make this deal sweet at all for for Indiana. Yeah, it's it's an it's an absolute must that quickly Toppin and picks are in there. That that's like that's the beginnings uh, of the deal. I feel like um, because and I, the reason I say this is you, you compare talents and it makes sense, but at the same time, like I said, Miles Turner is going to be one of the most sought after. Um, players in the league. I mean, so, so many players, so many teams are going to have him as the guy they need. You know, it's, it's not just going to be the Hornets. You can say the Mavericks. You can say the the um, the uh, the Pistons could even say that he's he's the guy that they want. Uh, the Blazers, even the the Raptors. The, the list goes on and on. A lot of teams that are looking at Miles Turner being put out, and I think this is really smart 
by the Pacers to drop this news because it really gets the news going for a small market team that this guy who's a plug and play for so many of these teams, contending teams, could be available. Um, but Obi Toppin is interesting for me. What, what, what's his scope? His scope does a lot of what Miles Turner does in terms of spot up shooting, but I think he's a way better slasher, way better in transition. He can protect the paint, but not in the same way that Miles Turner does and never to the same level. Um, Mitchell Robinson, and I think those guys get in if Sabonis is out too, because you don't want Mitchell Robinson and Sabonis on the floor together. That just wouldn't work. But if they're doing cleaning house and they're getting picks out of this, and I think if they can go the OKC route and they can blow everything up, get a functional team that, that maybe they have some young guys that they can develop and keep trading out, that that might be the way to go, but Knicks are going to definitely shell out some picks. But how how much better does that make the Knicks? Real real, real talk. How, how much better does that become? Tibbs is going to be real happy. He's going to be a real happy guy. He's, he's wanted to shoot more threes. He's wanted to play more defense. I mean, they've really sunk in terms of their interior defense. That he's going to be a happy clam. But does that improve them to a team that can make it out of the first round? Given what we would have to give up, uh, probably not. I'd say we'll probably be at a, at a similar sort of level. I think it kind of depends on the impact that it has on Randall, really. I think that that's kind of the main thing. That Randall's that's what it all, all comes back to. Watch that game last night. The second half was literally Julius Randall versus the Golden State Warriors. It just showed <laughs> showed the hole that we, that we are in. And while Turner would be a great addition. Uh, no, it, it, it really wouldn't. It would hopefully turn them back into a playoff team, but it definitely wouldn't get them. Uh, it definitely wouldn't assert them back uh, getting uh, getting past the first round. No. Yeah. And we, we talked about the Pacers. Uh, so I think they're just the main team here because of the level of talent. They're the first guy you think of when you think of these uh, tier two sellers in the market here. Um, a couple of other teams we want to go through quick. Um, and I, I want to preface this by saying it's, it's super unrealistic. But, you know, the question does hang over the heads of Boston. If the Celtics actually consider selling Jalen Brown, does that happen? The answer is probably not. But say it does. Let's say it does, because this is fun here. This is, this is what we live for. We're, we're going to add a little bit of imagination to, to what is uh, usually not a very active period of the year. But if the Celtics are selling Jalen Brown, how many teams can actually put together a real package to get them? Well, I think a lot of teams would be very interested. It, it, it would probably, again, it'd be a similar sort of situation to, to Simmons and Philly. It'd be what sort of price would Boston be expecting to get back from him? I think, like you said, they they, they aren't ready to, to blow up the Tatum-Brown combo, but unfortunately, signs are just pointing towards some somewhere down the line, maybe a year from now. It just feels like it's going to be, it's going to end sometime and maybe Boston need to be proactive here and just blow it up now, but there's got to be at least four or five teams that could, that would want a guy like Jalen Brown. I could definitely offer a, quite a lucrative package to, to, to get him to their team. Yeah. And, and I think here's, here's a piece of perspective. Anyone who's upset with me, even dangling Brown out there, like some 
pundits have done. You know, the reality is that Tatum's numbers and efficiency have ballooned as a solo star whenever Brown's on the court. That's not to say they don't play well together. I think it's they defer better with each other. But Tatum takes it to a whole other level. He, he takes it to MVP level when Brown's out there. Now, his decision-making needs to improve. Defense isn't always consistent. But, you know, he sees – you see signs of progression as a solo star. But he just doesn't have the supporting cast. You know, and that duo hasn't produced the results that you want. So I think if you think about Brown's return – in the nuance of bringing a cast that will allow Tatum to help the Celtics contend, if that's the way you're viewing this, then it makes sense. Because you're never going to win in terms of equal talent or assets from Jalen Brown, because I think he's he's a burgeoning superstar. He could be a superstar. But the way these two work together, it's it's not set in stone, but it's it's going, it's not making its way quickly towards championship. That's for sure. And two teams I have here. One is a team that we listed as a seller, but could retool. Depends on what they do. But say the Blazers decide to be aggressive. And they'll they'll basically do anything outside of Dame to make this work. But say you offer a CJ McCollum, uh, Anthony Simons, and all the picks they have you you have some throw-ins here and there but i think in in reality the important part is getting the scoring guard and you know a dynamic bench score those are two things that that i think the celtics need they can go out and get a play a playmaker i think there's a lot of ways they can do it we'll talk about that when they're talking about buyers next episode but it is a package like that at the beginnings of something that the celtics would even consider tough to say you'd have to on one hand, you're kind of like they're they're fairly similar players, but at the same time, you're kind of looking at Brown as a guy who thinks that he is capable of taking a similar sort of leap to what we all believe Tatum is going to do in, in the yeah. future. So and on that hand, it could work. And you know McCollum's a guy that can come in and he's used to playing alongside a star and just being that two guy. So on that hand, you're like, that could be a really, it could be great for for both sides, especially if uh, the Blazers were to lose Dame a year or two down, down the line. They'd have a guy like Brown to build around, and I think that'd probably be a better option for them than having CJ McCollum. So it could work for both teams. It, it would just be on the Celtics what sort of level they, they, they value CJ at and what sort of match they think he would be with Tatum. Yeah, that, that's what it comes down to, right? It's, it's the match. It's the, and that's, that comes down to coaching as well. That comes down to players. And I don't think they get anyone in the door that Tatum wouldn't endorse if this ends up being the move that they make. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I think about that, um, the more and more I think about it, it it's, all of them are mostly no's. And the, the last one I'll, I'll bring up is um, the Grizzlies putting together a package of Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, first-round picks, you could even change that a bit, add in Desmond Bain and De'Anthony Melton in place of uh, Dylan Brooks. Did something like that get done? Because th- this does a lot of things. The The Grizzlies, I mean, they're, they're surging without Morant right now. They're clearly demonstrating that the players they have on their team are great as a core on their own without their star, and they can consolidate that. Celtics, they need shooting, they need defense, they need pass-first playmaking. If you're talking outside of Chris Paul, I mean, Tyus Jones is actually, I mean, besides Andre Iguodala, he's leading the league 
and uh, assist turnover ratio. I mean, he's, I think he's turned it over no more, no more than five times since he's been replacing Morant. I think it's less. I don't have it off my head, but he just doesn't turn the ball over. Turnovers have been a huge issue with Celtics all year. Having a real pass first point has been something they've been dying for. Kyle Anderson gives you that uh, defense you need at the wing. He can play make, you can play three, he can play the four, you can play some small ball five, he can shoot, he can pat. Like he fills all the roles that you need from one of your rotation guys. Something that they're not getting really out of Grant Williams. They hoped he would be that, but I think he gives a lot more with more size. Dylan Brooks, I mean, if, if they're getting Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain, I think both of them, they're just really aggressive scorers, great defenders. And these are all things you don't have those role guys in Boston. Like you didn't get that, not getting that development out of Sinead Smith. You're not getting that development out of Langford. You're not really getting out of Graham Williams. Like they're not blossoming into the role players they need. And there's no better really stockpile of really good role players than right now in Memphis. That is fair, but I would, in my head, I, I'd love to see that because I think that'd be a great move for Memphis, and I think you've got me, you've got me hooked on that on the Memphis on the Memphis Grizzlies, and and love and loving what they're doing. So I love the move on that hand, but at the same time, I think you're kind of taking a little bit of an L if if you're if you're the Celtics in that situation. Could work out well, but at the same time, you want. You want a bit more for 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 a guy like Jalen Brown and and the level that he's uh, that he's playing at right now. I I don't know if this could work, but maybe something with Toronto and like centered around Siakam and Dragic possibly. I don't no know way. what they'd have to do to make that work, but maybe something like that 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 could be an interesting sort of deal. Get get a great a great uh, bench playmaker like Dragic in and. A potential, don't want to say superstar, but definitely a, a perennial all-star in Siakam. I think that'd be a more in, a interesting package for for the Boston Celtics. I, I think this this might this might be a deep cut, but Boston Celtics fans are hyper aware of how Siakam was useless against them, and they put Jalen Brown on him. Like it was it was a whole thing of. <laughs> Jalen Brown defending Pascal Siakam. Oh, Siakam's going to win this matchup. And Jalen Brown just absolutely owned him the entire series. So I, <laughs> the only, that's the only reason why it gave me pause. Um, but, but I mean, you're right. And I, I think, you know, that this is, this is a good critical exercise because I think the reality is you look across the league and you look at the returns that you get and you're not going to get what you want for trading Jalen Brown. Maybe you just need other things. And I think that's why I had them listed firmly as a, buyer and you know that there's no real situation where they're going to get something that makes sense and um now I think we'll, we're running out of time here so i think we'll end with, with those quick two and you said siakam i think they're definitely a seller of him he's been rumored since the offseason to be out there but um i i can't i can't think of i can't think of a lot of teams that are really looking to add him with the price tag that he's got. I think that's the yeah. toughest, yeah. the toughest part because he he's netting the value of a guy like Jalen Brown, but he's not a guy like Jalen Brown. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be tough for the Raptors to figure that out, but in a very similar role, but a better production is the Detroit Pistons. And that's the team that I think could be a really good seller here because they've got a great young core. They're really, really figuring it out with Cade. And Hayes, he still has elite potential, 
I think a lot of people still believe that. There's Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey. This is a good team. Jerry, Jeremy Grant just no longer exists within their timeline. And he's got the money. He's continued to be good as a three-level scorer. For the, for the money he's, he's got, I mean, he could have a lot of deals available for him. I think the Detroit Pistons are going to be huge sellers of Jeremy Grant, who a lot of teams are going to convince themselves is going to have a meaningful impact on where their franchise is going. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think I'm seeing today that the, the Pistons are, 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 have said it now. They've announced it. They are, they are listening to two trade calls for Jeremy Grant. Obviously, he's out injured now. I think he's going to be out for, for around six to eight weeks. I don't think that's going to have any sort of impact on how many teams want to add him. And he could have a massive impact on a number of teams, teams that are looking to contend and teams that are looking for that, just that extra little piece to, to push them towards contention. I think he fills a lot of holes in a lot of teams, and I think he's going to be uh, very desirable for, for a number of teams out there. It's just it's going to be who can, who can come up with the best package for Detroit. Yeah, the, the, there's a few here. This all really depends on how – the dominoes fall. Um, but what, what do you think about the Kings? Because the Kings are desperate to make the playoffs. They're, we're we're going to talk about them later as a seller. But if they're desperate to make the playoffs and they don't want to relinquish too much talent, would they send Buddy Heald and a 2022 first-round pick for Grant and Josh Jackson? They can make a deal like that. 100% they should do it. And the, the, these are, I'll, I'll just rattle these off. These are some of the best ones I could find, but Pelicans trading Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, who has not had enough time. I think some people convince themselves Jackson Hayes has not had the chance to be the rim runner that he is, especially in that system. Um, Sadoransky and the 2024 first round pick. You get, you get your, your wing, playmaking wing, slash guard. They can run three guard lineup. You see how much they like doing that in Detroit right now for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, Jackson Hayes, that fills a five position. And they need a first-round pick for Grant. I think they're still trying to allocate future assets. I mean, if you're Jeremy Grant in that situation, I think you'd want to have a clear idea what the hell's going on with Zion before uh, before heading, uh, head, heading to New Orleans. I'll say that, say that for sure. Not, he's not he's not gonna have a lot of choices here and this is, this is a difficult thing he went to Detroit because he had the choice he finally could actually do what works for his career he had a long players tribune article about it but in reality you know it's it's all turning around where you know he doesn't have the choice to stay there uh, but I, I I have a couple of I have a couple of trades that could work for him I, I got Dallas as one option if they were yep. to maybe give up Kleber, Burke, Green, and uh, a first rounder. I think that's that's something that could work for them, or possibly the Timberwolves, maybe a first rounder plus Beasley and Prince for possibly Jeremy Grant and maybe Josh Jackson just to kind of uh, to to make the money work. But uh, I think they're they're two teams that would that would that would aim to be uh, to be looking at, at Jeremy Grant and in the Timberwolves, Josh Jackson too. Great minds. Those are the exact ones I was thinking. I wanted to end with those because, I mean, I think about Jeremy Grant in Denver. I think about him next to Jokic. I think about him next to Murray. And I can't help but really squint my eyes and see Jokic 
D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Grant. And then you add in Anthony Edwards to that. That that's that's the lineup that really has me thinking, that really has me thinking about how Timberwolves could really vault in themselves from, you know, they, they've had a lot of flashes, they've had a lot of close losses, but getting a consistent guy like Jeremy Grant, who you're getting what you're getting out of Jared Vanderbilt. You know, I, I, you lose a little bit of rebounding there, but in terms of a three-level score, another guy who's going to be smart on both ends of the floor, perform on both ends of the floor, that's just an absolute home run. That might be one of the best moves of this season if it does happen in terms of how far a team's going to go from where they're at now and where you're going to see them at the end. Yeah, 100%. I think I think the defensive versatility that Grant will provide would be huge for for the Timberwolves as well, especially with the way they've improved their defense this year. Yeah. Um, and well, we'll end on that. There's there's a few fringe ones I had. I had I have a Wizards one that included Kisper and Bertans and picks. I had a the Mavs one was was okay, but that that's that has to be my favorite one. And you know, we're we're seeing reports today. I was hoping that things wouldn't all landslide and we get all the news out as we're recording this, but um if it's in your feeds and nothing's happened yet, I'll be happy. But I'm, I'm sure things are going to start to progress really fast. And by the time we have another episode on the air, I'm, I'm sure we'll have even more moves to talk about. Well, that's 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 the way it is. That's why that is that is why we love it after all. The way that uh, things can happen out of the blue and things can happen in, in, in a landslide in the NBA. Yeah. Well, guys, we'll be back. We'll be talking about the the rest of the trade possibilities. I think we can all bog down and expect a long season um, and hopefully not a shortened season due to COVID. Obviously, that's been an issue. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Hopefully, it won't be a topic we won't have to discuss, but obviously, hopefully, everyone's staying safe. Everyone's staying vaxxed, and hopefully, we can all enjoy Christmas, and hopefully, the Bulls get a nice Christmas present here with uh, getting all their guys back and get get me, maybe get me, Jeremy Grant, on the Bulls. <laughs> Maybe all the Knicks can possibly have to enter the COVID, uh, the COVID oh. protocols, and just give and, and just give us a break. Give you a break. <laughs> give us the, give us a break from the pain. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember. Take every shot and love every moment.